Eleven billion people have already gone before us, and they have already been judged. St. Alphonsus Marie Liguori says, The greater part of men choose to be damned rather than to love Almighty God. Pope St. Gregory the Great says, On the threshing floor, few are the grains carried into the barns, but high are the piles of chaff that burn with fire. St. Augustine says, It is certain that few are saved. St. Jerome says, Out of a hundred thousand sinners who continue in sin until death, scarcely one will be saved. And all these coming from great saints, great doctors of the church. What is the cause of the ruin of so many? When one of the church's approved apparitions, we hear Our Lady speaking to a mother of a community in Quito, in Quito, Ecuador. Mother Mariana de Jesus Torres. She was a sister in that order. And Our Lady appeared under the title of Our Lady of Good Success. And what she said was very striking. We should think about it. Our Lady said, Oh, if only human beings and religious knew what heaven is and what it is to possess God, how differently they would live, sparing no sacrifice in order to enter more fully into possession of it. But some let themselves be dazzled by false glamour of honors and human greatness, while others are blinded by self-love, not realizing that they are falling into lukewarmness. She said, Oh, if mortals only understood how to appreciate the time given to them and would take advantage of each moment of their lives, how different the world would be. And a considerable number of souls would not fall to their eternal perdition. But this contempt is the fundamental cause for their downfall. You can see what is the fundamental cause of their downfall is that lack of regard for what our Lord has prepared for them for eternity. And in these apparitions, there were certain predictions given. There were certain predictions, and specifically those things that would come about, especially in the 20th century. Some predictions on what would happen in regards to the faithful's attitude towards sacraments like extreme unction. She said, it will be little esteemed that many people will die without receiving it. That because of the neglect of their families or false sentimentality that tries to protect the sick from seeing the gravity of their situation or that rebels against the spirit of the Catholic Church impelled by the malice of the devil, many souls will be deprived of innumerable graces. On the sacrament of matrimony, she said that it will be attacked and profaned in the fullest sense of the word. When we see, just aside, when we see the fact that many are trying to make a sacrament, which is that outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace, trying to put that on par with a horrible sin 
against nature. We can see it profaned to the fullest sense of the word. She says that masonry, which will then be in power, will enact iniquitous laws with the objective of doing away with the sacrament, making it easy for everyone to live in sin. Remember, masonry hides and is always working behind the scenes through suggestions of certain members, people especially in power. Holy orders, she said, will be ridiculed, oppressed, and despised. Corrupted priests will scandalize the Christian people and will incite the hatred of bad Christians and the enemies of the Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church to fall upon all priests. And how much in the past few years have we heard the attacks simply on the priesthood? All of this, she said, will come to pass, especially in the 20th century. Well, it would be one thing if this was predicted 50, 100 years before these things came to pass. But this was predicted 350 years before it came to pass, in the 1630s. Well, I thought most striking of the things that she said were these words. Moreover, in those unhappy times there will be unbridled luxury, which, acting thus to snare the rest into sin, will conquer innumerable frivolous souls who will be lost. Innocence will almost no longer be found in children, nor modesty in women. In this supreme moment of need of the church, those who should speak will fall silent. So we see how serious it is. What was striking about this is how close these words are to the words of the Holy Father who is living in the midst of all this, Pope Pius XII, in a encyclical written on the 15th of September, 1951, said these words, Nor can we pass over in silence a new crime to which with uttermost sorrow we want earnestly to draw not only your attention, but the attention of the clergy, of parents, and even public authorities. We refer to the iniquitous campaign of the the impious lead everywhere to harm the shining souls of children. Not even the age of innocence has been spared, for alas, there are not lacking those who boldly dare to snatch from the mystical garden of the church even the most beautiful flowers which constitute the hope of religion and society. Considering this, one cannot be surprised if peoples groan under the weight of divine punishment and live under the fear of even greater calamities. Pope Pius XII. He points out the iniquitous campaign, the impious lead everywhere to harm shining souls of children. What about those education programs introduced to expose children to all sorts of impurities at a very young age? 
What a disaster that has brought in the souls and the church. But he says, one cannot be surprised at people's groaning under the weight of divine punishment and live under the fear of even greater calamities. We see Ebola threatening. We see areas which have no water for years suffering under drought. We see ISIS threatening. All these things, do we think that these are not God's punishment for sin? But there is fear for even greater calamities, he says. But he doesn't stop there. Because in this encyclical, he gives us great hope. And he says, consideration of the situation so pregnant with dangers must not depress your souls, venerable brethren. Instead, fly with greater confidence to the mother of God. There, the Christian people have always sought chief refuge in the hour of danger because she has been constituted the cause of salvation of the whole human race. And here he quotes St. Ignatius of Antioch. He says, Let it be your particular care, O venerable brethren, that the faithful on the occasion of the coming month of October, which we're in, should use this most fruitful form of prayer with the utmost possible zeal, that it become always more esteemed and more diligently recited. We do not hesitate to affirm again publicly that we put great confidence in the Holy Rosary for the healing of evils which afflict our times, not with force, not with arms, not with human power, but with divine help obtained through the means of this prayer. Strong like David with his sling, the church undauntedly shall be able to confront the infernal enemy, repeating to him the words of the young shepherd, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies. Pope Pius XII. It's interesting enough that King David, reaching down, picks up five stones from the river, and there are five decades each one of those mysteries of the rosary. But here we have an encyclical. The subject matter is the Holy Rosary. And the title of this encyclical? Ingrensium Malorum, of approaching evils. So here is the solution to the coming approaching evils. The faithful recitation of the Holy Rosary. St. Louis-Marie de Montfort said, Never will anyone who says his rosary every day be led astray. This is a statement that I would gladly sign with my blood. St. Padre Pio said, The rosary is my weapon. Our Lady has never refused me a grace through the recitation of the rosary. Why is it that in 1917 Our Lady comes down to those three children at Fatima? 
What was her message? What was the reason that Our Lady came down? Remember in the Gospel, we have the man who is in hell crying to Father Abraham, saying, Send Lazarus to my brothers so that they won't come back, so they won't find a place here. And his words were, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't listen to him, they won't listen to one who is risen from the dead. But here we have Our Lady who has come down by a special grace from heaven, given. And what does she say? May 13, 1917. Say the rosary every day to obtain world peace and the end of the war. June 13, 1917. I want you to say the rosary every day. July 13th, August 19th. I want you to continue saying the rosary every day. September 13, 1917. Continue saying the rosary to obtain the end of the war. And finally, October 13th, I want you to continue saying the rosary every day. Say the rosary. This was her message to us, to a mother who's seeing all these calamities about to fall. And the answer she is giving to us, the Holy Rosary. In a letter to Father Umberto Pasquale, who is a spiritual director of Blessed Alexandrina Maria de Costa, Sister Lucia wrote these words, The decadency which exists in the world is without any doubt the consequence of the lack of the spirit of prayer. Foreseeing this disorientation, the Blessed Virgin recommended recitation of the rosary with such insistency. And since the rosary is after the Holy Eucharistic liturgy, the prayer most apt for preserving faith and morals in souls. The devil has unchanged his struggles against it. Unfortunately, we see the disasters which he has caused. And in 1957, Sister Lucia, in an interview with Father Augustine Fuentes, also stressed the importance of the rosary when she said that the devil was preparing to engage in a decisive battle against the Holy Virgin, that God was giving two last remedies. She says, She said to my cousins as well as to myself that God is giving two last remedies to the world. They are the Holy Rosary and devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. These are the last two remedies which signify there will be no others. End quote. Sister Lucia. The Immaculate Heart also is tied up in this. For St. John Eudes, shedding light upon the devotion to the Immaculate Heart, says that Mary's is the heart represented by the golden censer held in the hand of the angel mentioned in the beginning of the 8th chapter of the Apocalypse. And in that eighth chapter of the Apocalypse, what do we have written? And another angel came and stood before the altar having a golden censer, and there was given him much incense that he should offer of the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne of God. And the smoke of incense of the prayers of the saints ascended up before God from the hand of the angel. 
So we go back to St. John Eudes, and he says, It is a golden censer to show that Mary's immaculate heart is unmixed love, as typified by pure gold. The angel in whose hand it is held is the angel of the great council, namely our blessed Savior himself, to show that the holy heart of Mary always belonged to God alone and that it was ever possessed and guided by the angel of the great council. The prayers of the saints are placed in Mary's heart, represented by the golden censer, to make us understand that the saints place all their prayers, all their praise and adoration rendered to God in the admirable heart. St. John Eudes. It should be then no surprise that Scripture mentions three times the heart of Mary. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, it talks about the sword piercing her heart. And we can contemplate all of those sorrowful mysteries. We remember that in the Gospel of St. Luke, when the shepherds came to adore, it said she kept all these things in her heart, representing the joyful mysteries. And then we see that after losing our Lord for three days in the temple, three days, it says that she kept all these things in her heart as Our Lady for the glorious mystery of the resurrection Our Lord was not present for three days. And we ourselves as our children can go and receive the graces that she has merited for us. We can receive her motherly assistance by going to her heart that treasury of graces and receiving from that heart. Remember the promises that she gave to to St. Dominic. And blessed Alan de la Roche, he says, Whoever shall faithfully serve me by the recitation of the rosary shall receive signal graces. That is, graces where they will understand things, where they will be able to see warnings, graces which will encourage them to do other things. The rosary will be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. A soul which recommends itself to me by the recitation of the rosary shall not perish. Remember where it came from. It came from Our Lady herself, as related by St. Alphonsus Marie de Liguori, when he says that in the 13th century, St. Dominic was greatly afflicted at the deplorable state of the Christian world. Vices and heresies filled Germany and France and had penetrated into Italy and Rome itself. Desiring to oppose a barrier to such a flood of errors and sin, he had recourse to the august mother of God, who approved of his zealous intentions and revealed to him, as a remedy for so great an evil, the devotion of a rosary. I was talking to a Dominican once, and he said that You don't find any Albigensians around, do you? That's what the rosary did away with, the attack of them. History of the Dominicans attests that when people heard 
of the members of any family leading bad lives, they usually said that they either did not recite the rosary or they recited it badly. And this is something else that we should note, that it is both vocal prayer and meditation. So we can't simply say the words without attaching that meditation. St. Alphonsus says, The rosary is a prayer. Prayer is defined by St. John Damascene as elevation of the mind to God. Without raising or elevation of the mind to God, there is no true prayer. So we need to meditate upon these mysteries. And St. Alphonsus says, We err if we think that we shall have some merit when during the recitation of the rosary we permit ourselves to listen to those who speak, who look at what is done, to interrupt our prayer in order to speak, or that we should give answers to questions put to us, that we're not really saying our rosary well. We have to say our rosary well. He says that if therefore we wish to find in the devotion of the rosary a sure support in the hope that we have of saving our souls by the means of it, it should produce in us true amendment, a true reform in our lives according to what the Blessed Virgin, the Mother of God, expects of us. But we shall never obtain this fruit if in the recitation of the rosary there is not united to our words a pious meditation upon the mysteries, which place before our eyes the loving inventions, the labors, the humiliations, and the sufferings of Jesus Christ. So we have to say that rosary well. If we're having problems meditating upon it, you can use an image. You know, use those. There's, there's certain paintings that Fra Angelico did. When we meditate upon the rosary, we can look at those, make copies of those. We can, we can uh, repeat the mystery if we need to in that decade of what we're meditating upon. And in this way, we may be able to say that rosary as we should. We wonder why there's so many, so many that fall away. Because they don't apply the remedies that is given to us by heaven. Let us then apply the remedies. Let us prepare ourselves for the greatest event, which is our own passing over. Eleven billion have gone before us and are judged. How many of those would simply want the time back to say the rosary well so that they could save their souls? How many? We end with Sister Lucia's words in 1957. There is no problem, I tell you, no matter how difficult it is that we cannot resolve by the prayer of the Holy Rosary. With the Holy Rosary, we will save ourselves. We will sanctify ourselves. We will console our Lord and obtain the salvation of many souls. Immaculate Heart of Mary. Pray for us.